0: Our world is dying, politicians are lying, and just when you feel like crying, sit and have a listen to people who have shit
1: themselves. I'm Evie. I'm Claudia. And we are the hosts of The Poodcast, a podcast where we tell stories about... People pooing themselves. Clue is in the title. Mm-hmm. The the podcast is also a podcast that will focus on and discuss the issues surrounding bowel and bladder conditions such as IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac disease, cystitis, urinary incontinence, and plenty more, like the Glastonbury could have been festival. (laughs) Um, We want to break the stigma surrounding these conditions and get people talking about toilets. We have historically found these topics especially difficult to talk about, whether it be an invisible illness or just what our bodies do naturally every single day. And we think it's time to change that. This week, our focus will be on IBS relief. Claudia, important. How is your bum? How is your tum? Okay, so I want to hear on both.
0: I'll tell you, I was really excited for this today, this morning, because I've actually had a really good bum and tongue week.
1: Oh, I as have, in it's been it's good. It's been good. Oh great. So
0: there's been like minimal bloating, there's been minimal like crying into a cushion and also sticking my ass in the air, hoping some wind would come out. I great. like for some sort of relief. That has been minimal. And I was feeling so Good. And I was like, I can't wait to tell everybody feel there is... on the, the bum and the tum bit because I'm always like, oh, I had a really sad week this week because I ate some tomatoes and now I want to die. Like, right.
1: I feel like there's a big. It was big all but. going
0: so well. And then
1: mm-hmm.
0: I got on a coach today, just a regular coach. Mm-hmm. As soon as the coach left the station, I got this, is, I don't think it's got anything to do with IBS, it's just tummy stuff. I got like tummy si- like travel sickness oh no but it's the worst oh my god and so what i decided to do was to put my eye mask on like a sleeping mask that mm. i had in my bag um to try and to But as, you look as absolutely one does. mental so this is the thing because i had my regular covid mask on oh god and my ibs and um, my ibs mask my <laughs> sleeping my sleeping mask on so i looked like i was about to like rob a bank but in quite like a fashionable way because there was some, like really nice patterns going on and I was like deep breathing. I was listening to um, the Lion King two, and <laughs> I found it very soothing, the soundtrack. And I was like breathing, and then all I could think about was this time that we went on a school trip. Um, when I as a as a teacher, I went on a school trip, and these kids had the worst bout of travel sickness.
1: Oh god, there's ever
0: occurred, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Honestly, so we we went to this um, we went to go see like wildlife in this like wildlife reserve. Um, and I was there, me and like three other members of staff. We get on this coach, and literally within ten minutes, you just hear, "Oh, oh, Miss Glewis, who's the the teacher on hand? Miss Glewis, um, oh, little ladies, um, she's 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 thrown up on herself." And oh then trouble in the ranks. Both members of staff look at me and go, "I can't deal with sick. Can you deal with sick?" And I'm thinking, oh "Well,
1: I can deal with sick. I don't want to deal with sick." Yeah, when you say they can't deal with sick, yeah, like what is they, going on? They, there? Li- they just don't want to is No, what that means. because they, no one wants to.
0: Well, this is what this is what I thought. And then, teacher, Miss Lewis, starts going, huh. Oh no. Hur. And I'm like, right, she definitely can't do it. Other teacher is looking very pale. And I'm thinking, right, I actually do have to step up and help this kid. So I help this one kid, it's gone everywhere. I'm not going to go into it as a graphic. Then every now, literally, every five minutes. Claudia, um, little Tom's been sick now. Nine children threw up on this coach trip one teacher threw up and you'll never believe it the coach driver threw up in the toilet and i was running round, going like doing my best you've got a pretty
1: solid stomach actually i was actually
0: really impressed with myself it was everywhere the bus children were crying the smell it was absolutely horrific and we just get off and i think get me off this fucking coach and pay me four times what I earn and then I say Miss Claudia Miss Claudia Dominic's been sick at the back of the coach and they all look at me like and we've run out of um tissues because we've gone through so many all we've got left is a bin bag so I now have to mop up this thing it was honestly horrific and then just I'm getting off the thing the bus driver says to me Everyone's always sick on this coach. We should probably stop using it.
1: Also, know? the bus, the, the, the coach driver himself. The is coach like, driver. Who has been sick? Yeah. He threw
0: up. I can't. So, anyways, so I was sat on this coach today, like rocking myself back and forth.
1: And you were getting these sort of flashbacks. And
0: all I could think about was those flashbacks of when all these, when nine children vomited on me.
1: You've never told me that story before. Oh, God. I think the thing with sick as well is it's quite I don't know if the word is is psychosomatic but when you get one like at school in primary school they would clean up sick with this other product and every time I now smell that product I automatically think someone's been sick even if they haven't I'm just like someone's either been sick or pooed on the carpet in the assembly room which is what somebody did once and they came and cleaned it up with that same thing I was like oh someone's been sick and they were like well no they haven't actually somebody pooed themselves I was like oh great score that's much better they pooed on the carpet they pooed on the carpet in assembly probably was you because I know you've done that
0: I didn't poo in assembly. I farted in assembly. Well, you
1: know, Gee, similar. Don't throw that back
0: in my face. Well, how are you feeling now? I feel. I actually felt a bit dodgy all day from it. Actually, um, so what I decided to do was get a KFC wrap.
1: Great plan. Because I thought
0: that would really help. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It didn't. Um, but I really wanted it, so I did that. That's how. So actually, I have had a really good bum and week. It's just a bit Apart of travel today. sickness. How is your bum and tum?
1: Sorry to hear, hear that. I actually used to get very bad travel sickness when I was a kid. So badly, once my dad wanted to get some wine from.
0: Uh, France <laughs> they're going to drop you just get a piss
1: <laughs> he wanted wine so badly from France that they drove like where we were going it was like going to be on the boat and then a five hour drive into France and then back to the UK and then back to the Isle of Man and I was and, and they knew that I got travel sickness but they still did it anyway and I just vomited the whole time oh. I know and it was in a car with the leather seats and now every time I smell leather seats I just think of That's being sick it. in the car did
0: you have those beads those travel, but, yes, travel beads yes travel, travel bands travel bands and I've
1: got my queasies a little tablets got your queasies but still doesn't help because when you're travel second you're moving you're like well until i stop the problem's not gonna it gonna wasn't go away." I,
0: I actually can't talk about it anymore
1: I'm sorry. um okay i've got something that might cheer you we have had some post what <gasps> i've got a parcel today in the post and it says the podcast team and i can tell by the handwriting is from my mother margaret so margaret sent us something so shall i open it now okay because i thought we're halfway through the season
0: is this also by you saying that your bum and tum is in total check, that you can talk about a
1: po- uh, post? I think it could be. That's so, yay for us on a positive bum and tum week. And presents. So we've got a, po- a parcel here. So it's the Poodcast team. So I'm just going to open it now. I can tell it's from my mum. Just my mum, if you're listening. You haven't sent me now. Come on, on.
0: Where's my present?
1: So we've got in here... Oh, huh? well, it smells very strongly of peppermint. Oh, my God, I can smell peppermint. So, so strong. So what we've got here... I'll read out. She's got a letter, and what I think she's homemade some little parcels here. (gasps) They're little packets, and she's. They've peppermint got, tea! Got peppermint tea inside and there's one here. So I can have it on the go. So which one do you want? Do you want stripey or floral? I would like floral. There you go. I have oh, stripey. That's <sighs> gonna go with my mask that she made for me as well. Matching mask, Same fabric. I always when I get to somebody's house and if I'm having like a bit of a bloat, and I'm like, Do you have any peppermint tea? And they're like, No. And so many people are like, Why don't you carry it with you? And because I always forget he And now I never will. And oh. there's some here with some hot chocolate in which I can only imagine it's for you. It's Nick. for you, Nick. Nick! The hot chocolate is for you, Nick. Because you don't have bloats, you bitch. No. So it says here, okay. Oh, there's a whole letter. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to read it all. Okay, I was going to say, it's very long. This is a short one for her. She normally does 18 pages front and back. Front and back. Okay, she says, My dear Evie, a brief note by way of explanation for the enclosed. Having listened to the podcast, I decided that my ladies need access to mint tea at the earliest opportunity. So I've made you some tea bag holders Mm. to put in your backpacks wherever you go. And of course, I couldn't leave out the producer, so I've created one for him too. Amazing what you don't really need and then realise that you can make it. (laughs) And then she says, hope you're having a more restful week and sorry about the writing this is a big fat pen and i can't control it love from mum
0: i can i just say this is the nicest thing that i've ever had but also what's hilarious is that this is what your mum has done your dad sent you a message didn't you
1: my dad did send me a message saying um he listened to the episode where you talk about your labial cyst (laughs) He said he's never been more interested in a labial cyst and he would like to know more. So I'll send him I'll send a message. And perhaps in a future episode, we will get into. Maybe at the end of this episode, we'll, we'll talk about I'll that. I'll tell you what happened to Because me. there is another present. There's another present. And this is from me to you for being such a fantastic co-host halfway through the season. So there you go. I didn't get you anything. Well. Except much. my love. Well, so Claudia's just opening her gift now. I'm oh just God. always thinking of the listeners. Oh, yeah. I. It's like ASMR. Okay, it's done. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, yeah, it's here. You're very <gasps> lucky. Grow a poo. Yes. <laughs> you can grow your own poo.
0: Out of the phone and into your home. Everyone's favourite message icon. In Asia, the poo is a symbol of good luck. I know, I'd never knew that. Just add water. I grow six times my size. <gasps> oh my goodness. And you
1: are welcome. It's going to be the biggest poo I've ever had. I don't think that's true. Is it? It's not, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I love it, thank you. You're so welcome. I feel like a dick now because
0: I haven't got you a present. Is that the only reason you feel like a dick? I got you this... <laughs> This hairband. Thanks, Gloria. Beautifully put on my wrist. It's <laughs> just so I'd remember to give it to you. Amazing. There you go. It's, it's from the depths of Mongolia, made by nuns. I'll treasure it. Forever. <laughs> Permission to discuss conditions. This week, our focus will be on IBS treatment, and we have not one, but two guests on the episode today who are going to shed some light on possible symptom relief strategies. It's important to note that IBS relief treatment is by no means a one-size-fits-all, but we're hoping that we can give you a brief look into some of the options out there for easing your symptoms. So, our first guest on today is Christine Lensberg. Christine works as a coach for women who struggle with IBS and looks to help them in a natural way. She was diagnosed herself with IBS at 20 years old and found that, not through lack of asking, that she couldn't find anyone to effectively help her with her symptoms and was told not to worry, it will get better by the time you pass 40 when she did finally start to find effective ways of relieving IBS symptoms, she decided to become a coach as she didn't want people to have to search for relief for as many years as she did and wanted to help women take back control and to not be limited in life by their gut. And Christine, you're joining us all the way from Norway. You're our first call outside of the UK. This is so exciting. How are you? Uh-
2: Hi, I'm so excited to be here. How are oh, you guys? We're good. We're great, thank we're you. We're not as
1: sweaty as we usually are. Yes, a <laughs> relief, because the temperature has been insane. Disgusting. So it's the first time we sat under a duvet, not, uh, not sweating. Christine, as we always ask, how is your bum and how is your tum?
2: <laughs> well um my bum and my tum are good actually they're, they're yeah. doing pretty good yeah
0: so christine can you tell us a bit about your process um of trying to find ibs relief and the advice that you were initially given from from your doctor
2: yeah i mean so as i mentioned as you mentioned i've spent basically ages trying to look for help so um and i talked to my mom about this and she told me that i uh, actually have had you know some tummy issues all the way from the beginning like basically from when I stopped having breast milk basically so it's been like some something kind of going on my whole life um but it wasn't until like I got to uni um around the age of 19 that it started to get really bad and you know uni is supposed to be like all just only fun you know partying just enjoying life and you know I did I did party a lot (laughs) maybe way too much but uh but I also started to have like really, really big issues with my tummy. So I just was in pain all the time. And I remember I used to like run home from uni and during the breaks to go to the toilet because I was I, like couldn't deal with um, having to have my meals and stuff in the, in the, you know, all the chaos with everybody else. And also I lived in dorms, which is not great when you have like digestive issues. <laughs> so yeah, sharing a sharing toilet between... However, people is a complete nightmare not good yeah it's terrible and especially when you're new and you're like just getting to know people is not like the best situation but yeah so I I I did use the toilet quite a bit during breaks because that was like the time when everybody was away and the house was empty (laughs) 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 but yeah so it wasn't great and the experience of uni wasn't you know it was a lot of fun but it was also a lot of pain pain, basically. So it kind of started spiraling from there to the point where I was just in a lot of pain all the time, just constant bloating, constipation, you know, cramps, diarrhea, everything mixed into one lovely little package. So yeah, so like, after that, I kind of started to look for, you know, answers, look for relief. And yeah, as you mentioned in the intro as well, that was, I think, around the age of 20, when I went to see that doctor, and he was like, don't worry, it's just IBS and you'll be fine by the time you're 40. And I was like, what? Is that supposed to be helpful? Like supportive of me or something? Like that feels like a whole lifetime. It is a whole lifetime. And I don't even know why he said that because it's not true. Like it's not like it magically goes away by the time you turn 40. So (laughs) it wasn't even good shit (laughs) advice. (laughs) No, (laughs) just didn't make any sense at all. So I've seen quite a lot of useless doctors in the process. Unfortunately, a lot of them just told me, you know, you're fine, your your test results are perfect, you're super healthy. And a lot of them told me just tried to give me antidepressants and just get out, get out of my office. (laughs) And I wasn't even depressed. I was just in a lot of pain. And I just felt like nobody really understood or wanted to help or or cared at all you know so that sucked it's that age
0: old thing as well of when when women are on their periods everyone's like oh they're so moody it's like yes because they are walking around in a lot of pain and discomfort like it doesn't yeah, exactly. you're then showing signs of depression what is happening is is what's causing your bad mood
2: and, and I mean I have to say you know in credits to doctors I know that obviously you know there are a lot of amazing doctors and they do a super important job obviously but, but I think when it comes to IBS we definitely still have a long way to go and I think we still need a lot of answers and a lot of yeah support. absolutely yeah. of course we absolutely
1: think thinks the same and and how did you then get relief where did you find that
2: I mean I just basically searched for like I guess it was like eight years ago or something like that I started to kind of get more of a handle on it but it was a long path of just like basically trying everything I tried like all of the different diets all of the treatments all of the specialists and, and everything. And everybody just told me either I was fine and it was just IBS. I had to live with it. Um, a lot of the time they were just like, Oh, you know, just Google FODMAPs and you'll be fine. You know? So I just kind of started experimenting on myself, I guess. As we all
0: do in our (laughs) twenties.
2: Sounds so dodgy now.
0: Sorry, I took us up on a very naughty tangent. Sorry. <laughs> As you were, Christy.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I and I do think that, you know, obviously you learn a lot like that, which is kind of what, what led me to do my my path that I'm on now. And can you tell us a bit about coaching and how you got into it and what
0: it involves?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that process of like never finding any, you know, support or any relief is super frustrating. Right. And I just basically felt desperate and I spent so long, you know, by myself trying to figure it out and, you know, uh, feeling like nobody really cared. And I just needed someone to be like, take my hand. We're going to figure this out together and I'm not letting go until you feel okay. Right. And nobody was really able to give me that. So Now that I've kind of found a lot of methods and tools that work in kind of handling IBS better, I really wanted to help others so that they don't have to feel that kind of frustration and overwhelm and loneliness and just like desperation that that I did when I was going through that.
1: So what what process could somebody expect to go through um, if they were coming to you for coaching?
2: When I work with people who have IBS, it's usually like an eight-week program um, because I want to make sure that I can follow people up over a period of time. It's very individual depending on each person's needs because, you know, as we know, IBS is complicated and it depends a lot on you know your lifestyle your your symptoms your triggers and and what you're dealing with so it's not like there's like one size fits all or one formula that's like the right thing for everybody so it's it's all about um figuring out individual solutions for each each person but some things of course are constant like we talk a lot about food figuring out triggers and root causes and and uh, stress management I also like to talk a lot about mindset because I definitely believe that our thoughts and how we talk to ourselves and about life and, you know, our situation is so important. Mm-hmm. And plus like recipe books and food guide and meal plans and all of that. Um, plus, of course, the the one-on-one coaching. Thinking about food, have you seen a pattern
0: in any particular foods that are you know, seem to be destructive For so many, or or do you think it it seems to change a lot with each person?
2: I see a lot of people who who struggle with, um, you know, gluten and dairy um, and also the classics like garlic and, and onion and... Um, some people also react to like very spicy foods or highly processed foods but again it's very individual so as I said it, it kind of has and, and, and it also has a lot to do with other things as well not just food.
1: So you kind of touched before on how we talk to ourselves and um, kind of what's going on in our heads how linked do you think sort of our mental health is with our gut health?
2: Definitely a huge connection there most people that I talk to who have IBS also struggle a lot with anxiety and depression. And sometimes it's tricky to know what comes first because one thing can trigger the other, right? There's also a lot of research being done on this now with the gut-brain connection and all of that. And it can affect your symptoms, your IBS symptoms too, because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, period pain, you know, IBS pain, when you're constantly in pain, it's exhausting. So that takes a toll on your mood. And a lot of people, you know, deal with anxiety, not wanting to, you know, go out or be social, or leave the house because they're worried about having flares without having access to a toilet, for example. And I know a lot of people I've talked to or have said that this has gotten worse as well during COVID because public toilets have been closed. And then there's the other aspect too, like a lot of people experience that they're not really being believed like we touched on earlier as well like um, you know doctors or friends or family kind of downplaying their symptoms and not understanding what a huge problem it is and how much pain it causes and you know constantly hearing that you know it's not as bad as you say it's all in your head that can be super damaging and eventually you can even start believing it you know you can start doubting yourself feeling like you're wrong they maybe start hide- hiding it um, mm-hmm. because you don't want to deal with the shame and awkwardness and that even builds up the anxiety even more. So yeah. how, how
1: do you break that cycle or what would you recommend for, for breaking that cycle of being stressed about your IBS, therefore your symptoms flaring up, therefore you're feeling more anxious, which then in turn has an effect on your IBS. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of that vicious cycle?
2: It can be so overwhelming. There are so many options, so many things you hear and so many places to start. So I think the most important thing is just like, try something that can, you know, limit that stress, you know, stress management, like, Meditation can be super helpful. You know, movement. Uh, a lot of people find mindfulness helpful. Essential oils, you know, getting out in nature, anything that kind of brings you joy that takes some pressure off. Dancing, singing, painting, you know, listening to a good audiobook, cuddling with your pets, you know, yeah. just uh, calling a friend, anything that makes you feel some sort of joy or relief that can then kind of spiral into like being able to hold on to that good feeling. Are
0: there any myths about IBS that you want to debunk? Either that, you know, people with IBS actually think for themselves or people who have no idea what it is typically get wrong?
2: Um, I mean, I think the big one is that classic that we mentioned, it's all in your head, you know, and it's not. And whoever, you know, told you that is not a reliable source. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, it's a really dangerous thing to tell someone who's dealing with that because it brings more stigma around it. It's definitely a very real thing. And I think anyone who's dealing with IBS or any kind of chronic health issue in general are freaking awesome and inspiring and, you know, powerful and just amazing because to do that every day and not give up and try to keep Bit positive and battle every single day that just takes so much strength and courage and resilience and superhuman powers and so I feel like the next <laughs> Marvel film is gonna be <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yes. with> IBS. <laughs> IBS
2: superpowers <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we
1: always like to kind of ask is if you could give our listeners especially those with IBS
2: if you could give them one piece of advice what what would it be basically don't give up and I and I think that that's the most important one because if you continue to search and 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 try to figure this out, you will eventually, you know, learn to know your body better and and find ways to to manage it better and also get some help with it. Not you know not necessarily from me, but make sure you find a coach or you know a doctor or a dietitian who will take you seriously uh, and be committed to helping you with with this. Because although I definitely believe that you know, we are all responsible for our own health. I also think that you should not have to go through this alone. So find some support so that you are okay and you have some help with it.
0: I wanted to ask you about the FODMAP diet. What are your thoughts on it? Like, do, do you advise it for a lot of people that you coach? Is it does it work for everybody in some capacity, or there's some people it just doesn't work for at all?
2: Look, this is this is always a controversial one, and I did a video on this recently explaining how I'm not really um, a big fan of the low FODMAP diet. And just to be clear, I know that it can be you know super helpful in figuring out triggers. And a lot of people do feel good go doing low FODMAP. So if that's the case, then that's awesome. But I don't. I don't think it's a good solution. And there are a couple of different reasons why. So um, the first one is that it's very limiting. So it's not actually meant as a permanent solution because it eliminates a lot of food that you could be eating and that you need. So it can be damaging if you stay on it for a long time. The second thing is that stress is a huge trigger for a lot of people with IBS. So doing low FODMAP is, you know, in many ways causing a lot of extra stress because you have to be super careful about what you eat. You have to measure everything. You have to be really, really strict. And that can cause a lot of extra tension around food, which is essentially what we're trying to avoid, right? That's why I don't think that low FODMAP is definitely not necessarily the best way to go.
0: I'm glad to hear that because I haven't always found it necessarily agreed with with me in terms of what act, what food agrees with me it doesn't always seem to add up and and vice versa and then you're like oh but I must I must be looking at this wrong or I must be thinking about this wrong so I'll cut this out anyway even though I've never had problems with it just in case I do have problems with it and then you end up having a bit of a complicated relationship with food that you didn't even have before so I, I it, it's just interesting to just hear somebody else uh, somebody else's opinion that isn't necessarily preaching about it all the time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you said that actually. Yeah,
2: and and I mean I know that it's like the big thing and is what everybody is told when they go to the doctor and find out they have IBS but I think one of the things that i'm most passionate about and what i teach my clients in my when i when i work with them is to kind of get a more comfortable relationship with food right so that it's it's not something that you have to obsess about because we do right if you're dealing with something that is kind of involving your whole health your whole life everything of course you think about it a lot right so the idea is to kind of like have a more relaxed relationship with it and just kind of eat enjoy your food and not have to you know obsess about amounts or the ingredients you eat or anything like that christine we always like to ask if they have any funny
0: anecdotes because we love one on the podcast do any come to mind any kind of ibs mishaps and misfortunes
2: i do remember one trip especially because it was a it was a trip with a boyfriend. I think it was one of the first times we went away together. I was always super embarrassed about my IBS. So honestly, like I I never really talked to anybody (laughs) about it. So he didn't know anything, I think. And so we were obviously staying in a hotel room together. And I just remember like walking into that room. And it was literally the tiniest room I've ever seen. It was like a shoebox. And then I see the toilet and it has like See-through glass with like no soundproofing, nothing. So I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> um, I, I think time stood still there for a moment. But that was basically the moment the romance left the relationship. No, no, but it was the moment where we introduced the honey. Put on your noise-canceling headphones, please. I've seen it in restaurants
0: where they have clear glass. What? Yeah. Seriously, like, not as in, like, completely clear like you would in the bathroom, like but frost- as in instead of doors, it's like frosted doors. I, I hate it. Why would anybody want to see a shadow
1: of somebody pooing? Or oh, the outline, I've, I've said a couple of times, I don't know if it's issues with me booking trips, but every time my boyfriend and I go away on a trip, it seems to be these glass doors with, like, a gap. So, you know, if you're like, in a cubicle and there's gaps at the top and bottom. Oh. And I'm just like, what am I going to do if I put, like, a towel underneath? yeah it's gonna look no. really obvious and then so i i tend to play podcasts over the top yeah. but now playing a podcast is just synonymous with me going to the toilet i mean that's absolutely what, like, wait,
0: like frosted Club. like it's like you're putting on some like designs for kinky shadow
1: puppet show like yeah exactly i think anyone who's in the business of designing toilets stop it just stop it <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wanted to get in touch with you um for your
2: sessions how would they how would they do that so you can find me on instagram at christine lensberg and you can book a free clarity call through my profile you can find the link in my bio there or just send me a dm and uh, we can chat more there it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me it's been so much fun and i love what you guys are doing it's it's amazing that you're just like bringing awareness to this and you know talking about these issues that we just definitely need to talk more about so you guys are awesome
1: Thank you. Christine, thank you so much. So now it's time for our second guest today. We are joined by Helen Brooks, or known online as the Tummy Whisperer, Um, and Helen looks to transform IBS symptoms through hypnotherapy. Helen is a senior clinical hypnotherapist with 17 years experience, um, and her aim is to use gut-directed therapy for those with IBS that haven't responded well to dietary changes or medication. Suffering with anxiety as a teenager and being shown empathy and kindness from healthcare professionals urged her to go on to work with people to create a sense of comfort and calmness in a therapeutic environment. She now runs the Tummy Whisperer and offers a personalised support online programme to help those with IBS find confidence and relief. Hello, Helen. Hello.
0: So nice to have you on, Helen. How are you doing? Yeah, great. And so great to be here. So
3: thank you so much. It's um, I've been really looking forward to being able to share a bit more about how hypnotherapy helps with IBS.
1: We normally ask guests um, how their bums and tums are. So how are your bums and tums at the moment or your one yeah. bum? I was going to say, how moment? many bums and tums does she have? <laughs> yeah, bums and tums
3: all good, thank you. And probably a little larger um, <laughs> than they were pre-lockdown and everything else that's happened. But other than that, all functioning well, I'm happy to say. We're glad to hear it as well.
0: (laughs) So Helen, can you tell us a bit about what hypnotherapy is and how you came to work as a hypnotherapist?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So as a child, I was always really fascinated by what went on in other people's heads and really fascinated about the power of the mind. Then later in life, um, as you mentioned earlier, that I suffered from anxiety and I was really lucky that I did get the help and support that I needed to really transform the way that I felt. And from that moment on, there was definitely um, a desire to do what somebody had done for me in helping me transform my life and how I felt that was something that I then wanted to do for other people. Mm-hmm. So I um, did a degree in applied psychology. I was drawn to hypnotherapy just because it's really fascinating, isn't it? It's about utilising the power of our own minds. So we sort of follow that thread right through from early childhood and wanting to know how to make changes to the way that we think and feel and behave So in 2003, I set up my practice and worked with a whole range of clinical issues. I guess really what spurred me on to specialise and focus entirely on helping people with IBS is that there are so many people for whom dietary changes and medication, they just don't have the impact on IBS that they really need. And those people are left feeling like there's no alternative. I want them to know that actually there is something that's evidence based, that has many, many years of clinical research that is effective in transforming symptoms of IBS. I might be the tummy whisperer, but I want this megaphone. Yeah. To tell everybody. To yeah. me. You know, this really works. I think a lot of people think that um, hypnosis is weird and wonderful, stage hypnosis, something silly on TV. Or we see it in films, you know, I watch kids' programs like Danger Mouse with my son. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And hypnotized by the evil professor. And so it's embedded in our culture that hypnosis is something where you're under somebody's control or power, they have this idea that, oh, no, it would never work for me. Nobody could ever take control over me, which is right. Nobody can. Uh, you know, I've been trying to hypnotize my husband and kids for years to get wonderfully, and it hasn't worked because they don't want to. <laughs> but it's just a way of being able to access that wonderfully powerful part of the mind, which is the subconscious mind.
0: And so, where does the link come? How how was the link found between hypnotherapy and IBS relief?
3: So, um, there's a guy called Professor Worrell, who's the UK's leading IBS gastroenterologist, and the research goes back to 1984 when he was working with um, what they're termed refractory. Um, IBS refractory patients, which means severe untreatable. So they've done everything that they can medically, and they're still suffering with very severe symptoms. And um, he decided to do a study to see whether a course of hypnotherapy would help. They used a placebo pill and psychotherapy in one group, and they had seven sessions of that or seven sessions of hypnotherapy. And The people in the hypnotherapy group, their symptoms reduced. So, of classic IBS um, symptoms, 95% of them responded to a course of hypnotherapy, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's why I feel so kind of pass me the megaphone and get slightly frustrated because if we've got something that's so well researched, that was the first research, you know, there's been 35 years of research, there's tonnes of research and it's all really favourable. The statistics come in somewhere between kind of 85% and upwards to a course of hypnotherapy. And there's been research where they've followed to see whether it's long lasting. And I think the longest uh, research study followed um, the group of patients for five years and their symptom reduction remained the same over five years so it doesn't wear off like everybody needs to know about this there are so many people suffering it's like why aren't we talking about hypnotherapy as a viable solution here
0: do you think it's because a lot of people don't talk about IBS so I I mean part of the reason this started was because I had IBS and hadn't told anybody because anything that's got the name bowel in it is not something that you necessarily then want to share with people. So do you find when people do come to you that they haven't spoken to people about having IBS or or do people seem quite confident about what their condition involves?
3: I think one of the reasons why I guess it's not, so widely known about is that there aren't that many hypnotherapists specializing in it. Mm. And it's not that much training either. I guess a lot of hypnotherapists want to deal with things that they might think are more glamorous. You know? <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> don't want to be known as the IBS lady. So I've taken <laughs> on that challenge, you know. That's that's my goal in life, as I say, is to transform
1: the world one tummy at a time. So with your hypnotherapy, do you find a lot of it is anxiety causing IBS um rather than you know if you're saying dietary changes or medication hasn't really had an impact does that then mean that it's stemming from something not necessarily sort of physical in your body or whatever you're taking in it's something like a men like a mental health
3: well that's a really good that's a really good question No, it's not all to do with anxiety at all. It's not about what goes on in the head, and that's not why the hypnotherapy helps. Hypnotherapy helps because we work with the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind is the part of our mind that controls our automatic functions. So anything automatic, like breathing, heart rate, temperature, and digestion is controlled by the subconscious mind. So if somebody's not anxious and they're not stressed, then the hypnotherapy still works because it affects that communication between the brain and the gut however of course it's extra helpful because it can help with stress and anxiety as well sometimes people ask the question so if hypnotherapy can help does that mean IBS is all in my head Um, IBS is never in anybody's head it's definitely most definitely you know going on within the body and I think that's a source of frustration for some people is that it's often um kind of dismissed as just
1: a nervous condition. And it's most definitely not. Yeah, hypnotherapy works
3: with that gut brain axis.
1: And and what changes do you see after you know somebody has had a course with you? One of the other wonderful things
3: about using hypnotherapy is that it works with what are termed colonic symptoms. So your typical um, gas bloating, constipation, diarrhoea, or both of those, and cramps. But it also reduces what are termed non-colonic symptoms, so things such as nausea, sleep disturbances, sometimes fatigue and headaches and backaches, so things that often accompany IBS but aren't termed as colonic. And also as well, life satisfaction scores increase. So people are happier and they're calmer, And, you know, you talked about anxiety earlier. And, you know, with IBS, it's really difficult to say sometimes with people what came first, because if you didn't have anxiety before you had IBS, there are so many aspects of having IBS that can make you anxious, that can make you stress. You know, a lot of people that I see have this terrible fear of urgency, and it's a massive problem for them. You know, they've got a mental map of where the nearest toilets are, Um, You know, some people just can't really leave their home or can't come to see me, Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why I developed the program so that it's accessible to people wherever they are so they can access it
0: in their own homes. I saw on your Instagram that you talk a lot about digestion. Do you have any kind of top tips for good digestions or any really good food swaps that come to mind that
1: you can think of?
3: As you might expect, I guess the top tips for digestion are all mind-based rather than food-based. So anything nutrition-wise, I leave that up to the nutritionists who know far more than I do. But in terms of digesting food, I think it's really important to understand that what's going on in the mind translates into the body. So we talked about the gut-brain axis briefly. And this is the communication between everything that goes on in our brain is signalled down into our gut. And vice versa, everything that's going on in the gut is signalled back to the brain. The two speak to each other and it's through uh, something like 200 million nerve cells. And there are 20 different hormones that are unique to the digestive tract. And there's the microbiome that listens in to the conversation between the gut and the brain and then um, creates changes to how we feel and our mood. It's, you know, it's so complex. And one of the things we do know is that if we feel stressed, then that affects the way that the stomach, for example, if we're stressed, so if we're anxious, angry or stressed when we're eating, then our stomach, the contents of the stomach won't empty fully it creates this kind of reverse peristaltic action and that creates bloating and cramping and then all sorts of different knock-on effects right through the digestive tract you know even people that don't suffer with IBS will know you know if you have an argument with somebody as you're eating your dinner it feels really uncomfortable and you get a tummy ache. My advice would be about being mindful so setting the scene in terms of Don't dash around and grab a sandwich on the go. It's about sitting down and just allowing your body to to find just a moment of calmness and really focusing on what you're eating because we know that the digestion starts with thinking about food. So looking at your food, smelling your food, that activates the whole digestive process before we've even put anything in the mouth. So it's about slowing down, taking time, taking some deep breaths, eating slowly, chewing carefully, eating mindfully and savouring food as we eat it. And if you're in a calmer state, which is much more likely if you're eating in that way, then your body's going to digest your food better.
1: Yeah, that's that's incredibly useful. I think something that, you know, with mindless eating I'm so so guilty of it Mm. it can not only be a a calmer environment if you're thinking about what you're eating but you're probably less likely to eat bad foods or overeat or all of those things because you're in a state where you're fully aware of what you're doing and you recognise that you feel full and you know everything that goes along with with mindful eating I think that's really really positive thing that I need to start doing (laughs) more I know I'm particularly bad it's it's sitting on the sofa and then we've
0: got a coffee table and putting our dinner on the coffee table, and then you're sitting like this, and then you're watching the TV, you're doing that. And then I wonder why, why my do I it's starting to feel a bit uncomfortable. We've got this lovely dining table that we never use. And it is about, like you said, it's in, in so much of it must be about enjoying the actual process of sitting down and eating rather than it being that thing. Oh, bugger, it's it's half seven. I haven't eaten yet. Better quickly yeah. shovel this down because I haven't eaten my dinner. Mm yeah definitely it's a
3: big no no I want you to think of me next time I will, Helen
0: I will yeah. every time I grab a sandwich on the ground I like yeah. I think I'm just going to print off this picture where you are right now Helen just you staring at me and I'm just going to put it above my TV screen so that if I go and sit to eat it's just you looking at me being like <laughs> would what would yeah. Helen do you
3: can watch TV after so the other thing as well is and this is interesting so I've worked with lots of people who tell me that they've got um, particular foods that they react to that they can't eat Mm. but actually as we go through the process of change and transforming the symptoms they can eat those foods but what's happened is they've almost conditioned themselves to expect that those foods are going to cause a negative reaction (laughs) eat that food and then you get the thought oh I wonder if I'm going to be okay which then starts that like minor sort of stressful feeling about what might happen and how uncomfortable it might be well then you're Brain sending the message that you're a bit stressed down into the gut and then the gut reacts to that so it's great to watch telly after you've eaten because a lot of times people are over observant of what's happening within the body yeah. so you any little gurgle or any little tiny cramp or sensation immediately you'll register that as oh no you know, I'm going to, this is going to happen. I'm going to get mm. some ache or I'm going to need the toilet. I'm having a flare up. Whereas actually, if you eat your food and then go and watch TV and your focus is elsewhere, then you're giving yourself a
1: much better chance of actually digesting food comfortably. If you could give listeners who have IBS sort of just one piece of advice, what, what would you give them? Just to know that your mind is incredibly powerful
3: and it really can transform your body's functioning it's about knowing that you have the power within you to yeah to change how you feel
0: physically so tap into using the subconscious mind I feel like I just watched Aaron Brockovich or something where I'm like okay I can do this now I feel very yeah. I feel very empowered I feel very sweaty underneath this yes, today, but I feel I very do. empowered And sweaty. Sweaty. So, Helen, um, where can people get in touch with you for sessions or find you on social media?
3: So, The Tummy Whisperer. You'll find me on Instagram and Facebook, and thetummywhisperer.co.uk is my website. And yeah, anybody with any questions, please DM me, please get in touch because I really do want to transform the world one tummy at a time. It's brilliant.
0: Thank you so much for chatting to us,
1: Helen. Thank Thank you. you. Wonderful. Stop
0: what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. Quickly, before we get on to our third time of the week, um, I just have to say, listening to these two ladies that we've had on this episode today um, and as somebody who has IBS, if you are looking for help and maybe the main thing you're looking for is somebody to guide you through something that you may be feeling a bit lonely about in terms of symptoms or in terms of your mental health with IBS... Those two ladies were some of the kindest people I've ever spoken to. Why are you
1: laughing? I'm not. I was, I was trying I to, try to yawn. I was trying to yawn, Man, but I wasn't bored. No, it's fine. Let's just crack on. Um, the listeners can okay. get an insight into the story behind the podcast because <laughs> they can hear me yawn and know that... But it looks yeah, like you're hey, yawning at me. We're not perfect, guys. We don't do everything first take. I was saying something really nice okay, as well. Please carry on. I'm sorry. I just needed to yawn.
0: Those two ladies were so kind and so... Um, in- on just helping people that that yeah. it was just the the main thing that came across with both Helen and Christine so they just want to listen and they just want to help you
1: it was just so refreshing to feel like oh there really are people out there on your on your side um I know obviously loads of people in the medical profession loads of doctors do take it so seriously and are incredibly informed and proactive but it's also nice to know that people who have either suffered with it themselves or have tried to make a real niche for themselves at being the best in their field in relation to IBS symptom management and it was just really amazing actually to see the with the passion that they both spoke and uh, yeah I was really really it made me feel incredibly hopeful yeah and just the less less alone yeah uh someone else we maybe might be helping to feel less alone uh, is the person who's written in this week yes Uh, i have not got this claudia you've got it
0: i've got it so this is our turtle of the week and this came in off the back of our episode with lovely glenn we loved glenn didn't we i want to spend time in glenn's doghouse. me too that sounded kinky (laughs) um and so yes so this story came off the back of that and i'm sure you'll work out pretty soon why okay So I have Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and I've had the same symptoms since I was 18. I'm now 28. But after various incorrect diagnoses of internalised homesickness, allergies to all foods, lack of fibre and IBS, I finally got diagnosed when I was 25 and given medication that has to date completely changed my life. Good. good When I was 19, I decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro as part of a group that combined students from lots of universities around the UK. At this time, my stomach was at a particularly bad point and I was pooing between 15 and 20 times a day. Not ideal for a six-day hike with a group of strangers and very few toilet stops. I therefore came up with the brilliant idea to take Imodium to try and reduce the number of times I needed the toilet to a more manageable level. It was this trip that has made me realise that Imodium and I do not have a harmonious relationship. Rather than reduce the number of poo trips, I can only describe the effect as... Being like having a massive plug in my bumhole. <laughs> sure you could buy those. I just stopped going altogether. Great, you'd think. And so did I. Those first four days of the hike were amazing. I didn't poo once. Oh, Although, in hindsight, I actually would have been in good company because everyone was suffering from the various effects of altitude and eating strange and new foods, and we were stopping for poo stops about every 30 minutes. Not me, though. A stomach as strong as steel. Or so I hoped. By the end of the fourth day, we were starting to prep for the summit climb. This was when we set off at midnight, climbed through the night until 6 a.m., and catch the sunrise from the top of the mountain. At this point, my stomach had grown to quite an unfathomable size <laughs> and was making some very aggressively unhappy noises. Oh, no. I popped two more amodium. Oh, stop, please stop, stop. Oh, my goodness confident in my new superpower and we set off <laughs> god what is it with these all these new superheroes i know We've got ibs <laughs> ibs wind power puff girls and count constipation <laughs> <laughs> because we would be climbing uh, up very uneven terrain in pitch blackness we all had to walk in one single line that throughout the night
1: like a fucking nightmare Doesn't i it? wouldn't do it if you paid me well clearly not well, well no one's gonna pay me but
0: Should anyone need a wee, the instructions were to alert and halt the group. Everyone would turn their light off, you would step up to one metre to the side, do your business, step back into the line, and everyone would turn their lights back on and continue the trek. Okay. Now, about two hours into the climb, I started dripping with sweat and feeling very, very nauseous indeed. This would usually be the telltale sign that a pretty terrible toilet trip was imminent. I waited as long as I physically could before I realised the inevitable future in front of me. I raised my hand, told the group I needed the toilet, and stepped one metre to the right. It's like an awful game of cha-cha slide. It's awful. Everyone turned their lights off, and what ensued was one of the most mortifying experiences of my life. Oh my god. Sorry, I've just seen what's about to happen. (laughs) Four days worth of poo poured out of my bum with the most horrendous cacophony of sounds and smells. (laughs) I have never pooed in front of anyone else, let alone 15 people patiently waiting in the silent darkness for my poo performance to finish... Over the next few hours, I had to repeat this experience about three times until my stomach finally decided it had eradicated the hellfire inside. Oh my God. We reached the summit and watched the sunrise, then started our descent. Thankfully, you take a different route down. Can you imagine? It's like the worst water slide. <laughs> Everyone was very polite and didn't say anything to me about what had happened. Nor did they mention the mud stains on my trousers that no one else seemed to have gained from our perfectly mudless climb. Whenever I think about this incident, I mainly just feel sorry for any groups who would have climbed the summit behind us, wondering how many people would have stepped in my pilly offering to the mountain gods.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> So, the light just didn't really help because everyone would have just... Well, you know, when you like lose a sense when you can't see, you kind of hear her way more clearly. So, everyone turned their light off, they've stepped to the side, and then obviously all this poo's come it's out. Everyone's like, just listening in the dark for the. Oh it's just God, like the worst not, I don't, um, version it. of
0: the Blair Witch Project you could possibly have. <laughs> oh my I God. I just can't imagine what it would be like to sit there in the dark waiting for some. It just sounds like a horrible system anyway. Yes, yeah, waiting so, for somebody uh, to do their business and then to hear like an
1: entire orchestration of four days' worth of poo. Also, a metre isn't that far. Like, no. if, if you said to me, obviously Claudia and I are sort of sat about a metre apart now, or less than that, if if she said step to one side to do a poo, I'd be like, oh, well, she's in her own room Slide now. Slide to the see. left. Slide to the right. Shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit now. Poo-poo, real nice. <laughs> I just can't, like, wow. Have you ever pooed in front of anyone else? Um,
0: I really don't think i have i actually have a story about this
1: go on just come to mind oh now my goodness you really your look. little cheeky face just lit up like a firework i've i've buried it away yeah I'm not for about 12 years i think Shh. and it's time it's i like think that time capsule thing but if you dug this up you'd open it up and it would go <laughs> and it would stink of shit <laughs> it just it reminds me when i was at school and i was definitely i think i look back I was having problems even then, Mm. but they weren't as bad. But I went to a party, I was about 16, and we were drinking.
0: Naughty. I never did that.
1: I know you said to me once you were still wearing pedal pushes when you were 15. (laughs) Fuck off. I can't believe you just said that. You said it. That was told you in confidence. Well, nothing between us now is said in done. I paired
0: it with a top of Animal from The Muppets, and I remember thinking it was a really cool outfit.
1: <laughs> See, the ironic thing is, if you wore that now, that would probably be fine. I bet they're
0: great with my new breasts that I didn't have back then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, the pill. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at a party when I was 16. I was wearing very large heels, mm. um, that's not relevant to the story, um, and I was drinking and it had like started of stirring things up down there, I thought oh, I need to go to the toilet, mm. but we were at that age where you just couldn't go to the toilet on your own, even though at oh, we a house party in somebody's house, it's not like we were in a club and wanted to go to the cubicles together, mm. and this girl, my friend, she was like, I'll come with you, I'll come with you, and I remember thinking, this is just a complete nightmare, And I was like, no, don't worry about it. She's like, yeah, oh, my God, I need to tell you something anyway. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I was like, oh, I'll just go in and do a wee and then try and escape on my own. So um, she was like, no, you go first, you go first. I sat on the toilet and it just came out. It just fell out of me. And I remember she like had her back to me but was still in the cubicle. And I knew that she could hear what was going on. Um, and just neither of us mentioned it. Really? So I was just pooing in front of her. I bet she told loads of people, though. I think she did because I then...
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, for some reason, I then start getting called poo bunts killing.
1: <laughs> I then heard this story back to me <sighs> of our other friend saying, oh, my God... Tabby told me that somebody pooed in front of her at Jake's party. Well, she offers, but she had, but she was like, she won't tell me who. But I think it was Kim. So she oh. obviously didn't know. She was like, "I'm not." The girl was like, "I'm not going to say who it is." But I got this told back to me. But I knew that I did was you the pooer. I was the
0: pillar Oh my god! I bet it was Kim. She's filthy.
1: I, I genuinely think I did. Also, the thing was is this other girl Kim had actually pooed in front of me at a party, so she wasn't easy. Oh, also, and so Kim's done this before, she so, had, so she we was, could
0: we could blame Kim again. Like, oh, she was. She's she dealt she was, with it. Yeah,
1: she was an historic shitter at the parties in front of other people. So I was like, I think I was like, yeah, I think it was Kim, but it was me. I was the poor. You were the poor. I know, and I remember thinking, we're all drunk, no one's going to remember this. And then it was like a year later, the story was told back (gasps) to me. I think it was more than a year. I think I was at uni at this point. Oh. So I think people who have bowel and bladder conditions or IBD stop fucking climbing mount kilimanjaro yeah guys stop it stay at home and rent die hard (laughs) (laughs) it's just the same experience stop having so much ambition and making
0: us feel bad you're so amazing that you have Mm. these conditions and you're like put a middle finger up
1: to the sky and climb the mountain until you touch the sky i think the closest i've got to climbing a mountain was um watching touching the void have you ever seen that (laughs) Oh my God, not it's close to close. so good. I honestly feel like I've been there. Well, it's, you haven't. You haven't no, done but it. I just want to also talk about Touching the Void because I get same. obsessed. There's a bit. Have you, you've not seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Do you know the concept? Mm, it's a mountain. It's a mountain. Two people go up, they make it on the descent. One of them falls down a cavern, breaks his leg. The other one doesn't know, thinks he's dead, cuts him loose. So there's one stuck on the mountain in like this big ice cavern with a broken leg and this other guy is fucked off back to camp <gasps> um but he 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 did the right thing mountaineers say but this other guy then actually manages to survive three days and cl- claws his way out and like makes it all the way down and they were just about to leave base camp and they see him it's <gasps> like fucking like he's, 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 he's like lost two-thirds of his body weight he's got a broken leg he's like clawing his way down absolute disaster i just <laughs> Whenever I'm in a bad mood or I've had a bad day, I always think about that guy because he gets back to base camp to discover that the others have burnt his clothes for warmth. <laughs> every, the time a, savage. every time I have a bad day, I'm like, oh it could be Simon with his burnt clothes. Yeah, I mean. He's that... just like come after the most treacherous journey with a broken leg down a mountain and he's got a broken leg and then <laughs> the, the the twist of the knife, you've got no clothes, mate, they've burnt them. It's the fact that we've ever complained about anything, then I know. we should really take it back, shouldn't we? In Sorry, I get I get very impassioned talking about touching the board. I, and can I think see. it was a mistake. It was a mistake to bring it up. Anyway, well done for climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, you're a hero. Like you know, well done. You're well just done. making us feel bad. About ourselves, and
0: also, if anybody ever said, "Turn the light off now," I'm scared that they're just gonna
1: shit near me. I know, I know, but what else can you do? Four days worth of turd because the plug has come loose. The plug. <sighs> so have you ever used a butt plug? No, have you? No, me neither. I thought you were gonna say a modium. Oh, because I've definitely used a modium, yeah. and it does have that effect. It does bung you up a bit. Yeah, it does. I've heard eating scrambled eggs can help if you've got diarrhea. We used to give it to my dog when she had diarrhea. She absolutely loved it. Well, eggs gives me diarrhea, so that that yeah, not for you. It will go
0: the other way around.
1: Not for old clawed pants. Anyway, <laughs> have you got a toadtail? Have you pooed up a mountain? Have you ever climbed a mountain? Extreme sports. How do you poo if you're gonna shit yourself in the sea and you're a surfer? Do you just do that because then we found out fish coming for you? Yes, extreme what? sports. Extreme sports and pooing. Give us your take. Email us in, please. It's thepodcastofficial at gmail.com for your toad or bladinage.
0: And please do share, review, rate and subscribe to the Pukas. It makes such a difference and we really appreciate it. So if you're one of those people who already thank you so much that have messaged us and says you're really enjoying it, please then do go and review it because it would really really help us to be seen so that we can make more of of these episodes. And if you don't want us to do that, keep doing what you're doing and just don't review us. Just ignore us, us,
1: broadly ignore us. If, however, you would like to write a review but you can't be bothered, we will send you a template, a review (laughs) and just change a little bit here and there and then you can just post that or send us your phone we'll do it on your phone and we'll post it back I think that's a fair thing to say i <laughs> are um, not willing to climb a mountain but we will write your reviews for you and yeah thank you to everyone who's been so incredibly supportive um, and we will just keep going until you tell us not do and find us on instagram or twitter
0: at the underscore poodcast or you can log on to our website uh which is thepoodcast.com oh, the website the website um and Claudia it's got, made it it's very good i spent days making it guys please check it out um and it's got details of who's coming up um on the rest of the series and a bit more about our guests if you want to find out a bit more about them and it's got loads of jazzy pictures that I'm really proud of so please go check it out.
1: It's very exciting. Um thank you so so much for listening and hopefully hear from us again soon. Bye. Bye